Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 160, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Thursday, November 19th, 2020, 62 days until January 20th. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Vaccine, 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 Vaccine. Dolly Parton will save us all from COVID-19. That is courtesy of Big Wolf Hot Dangs, <laughs> at Hot Dangs on Twitter. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my special guest, co-host Jamie Loftus! A.K.A. Jamie Flotus? It's an anagram. <laughs> it works. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I. But I have. I have no interest in the position, and I think it's weird. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Jamie Flotus. Someone pointed out to me. I All the Otis things are so weird. The Potus, Flotus, Scotus. I yeah, remember. grow up. Yeah, grow up, you fucking dorks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How but are, I mean, the Olive Garden. We have we have an Olive Garden as our Flotus now, so that is amazing. We have an Olive Garden as our Flotus. There was like this huge. There was that huge celebration when Jill Biden was like, they're like, wow, it's our first Italian Flotus, and everyone's like, wow, like the Olive Garden, <laughs> the Olive Garden lobby <laughs> finally got what they <laughs> fucking wanted. You happy uh, now? When you're here, you're family with the president. Uh, I don't know. All right, and we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the brilliant, the talented Joelle Smith. Hey, all. What's hey, up? Hey. Hi. What's <laughs> up? Oh, man. I'm awake. Uh, I'm at my computer. The gears are still turning up here in my brain. So. I'm going to count it as a win. My therapist told me that I have to count all of my little wins. And I was like, it's really hard. Um, Nothing feels like victory. And she was like, there are victories in there. So I'm trying. I'm trying to take Dr. Sylvia's advice and and find the little victories. So we're here making it work. (laughs) Is everybody everybody else like super tired lately? Past couple weeks? Like I've been, you know, tired from just quarantine and being ambient depression. But... Like, I feel like the past couple weeks have been super duper. Uh, I've been like exhausted and having a hard time getting getting the old wheels turning. Uh, yeah, I feel like my brain starts later and stops earlier. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. like by I mean, I've seen a lot of like tweets to this effect and it's kind of comforting. But just like around six o'clock every day, everyone's like, wow, time to start winding down. And then they realize it's six o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't I was definitely in bed by eight last night. And I was like, well, I'm a grandma now. That's it. And I'm fine with this transition. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like granny. a throwback to early quarantine, it feels like, where it's like you're either in bed by eight or you're up until four. Right. Right. We are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment, Joelle. First, we're going to yes. tell our listeners just a couple of the things we're talking about. We're starting to get some views into what the vaccine rollout plan is going to look like. Uh, So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about where we're at with uh, the Trump administration, the Trump enablers still claiming fraud uh, and what happened in Michigan a couple of days ago. We'll talk about Trump terminating yet another major member of his cabinet. He Mm. he likes calling it terminating. (laughs) 
We will talk uh-huh. Ben Shapiro. We will talk the rise of ambient TV. All of that, plenty more. Uh, I have to say, first. I was I was dreading as I was scrolling through the doc. I'm like, please say that Ben Shapiro's name is not going to crop up on the doc. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because we like held <laughs> off on it for a long time. It's no longer topical, but I do feel like we really missed out on an opportunity to. Yeah, uh, I mean, it has to be done. It's you know, we all had to take that L and let that name escape our lips every uh, so often. But my God. The man, the man played, expert, the man Russian who we go to lost. to hear about what it is to be a man. <laughs> um, Joel, what Hi. is something from your search history uh, that's revealing about who you are? This is so embarrassing. I was Yay. talking to uh, your the lovely Daniel before we got on. Uh, I have been researching a lot of Pokemon lately. <gasps> you know, okay. uh, your combinations. How do they work? This is my stress reliever now. Uh, I got a Nintendo for myself. My brother bought Pokemon. And immediately I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for my stress relief. There's no uh, geopolitical analytics in here. I don't have to worry about race relations in this app. Uh, No one's making podcasts in here. It's just, you just catch a Pokemon and you fight another Pokemon and then you buy a cool outfit. And it's like the best fake retail therapy because I can't afford to do actual retail therapy anymore. Uh, You know, Pokemon, that's what's happening. Oh my my God. That's incredible news. (laughs) We're surviving. Yay. So wait, what are some what are some particularly what are what are the top Pokemon? <laughs> I'm like, if we're gonna talk about Pokemon, let's this. power rank. Glad them. you asked the first follow up question <laughs> because I was gonna equally be like, so I mean, so tell us about these Pokemon. <laughs> tell us more about. <laughs> um, listen for the children out there uh, slash older adults who never got out of their child favorites. Uh, I'm really boosting up my Machamp. He's a fighter. He's uh, <laughs> He's got big boxing gloves. He's ready to go. A Slurpuff, which looks like whipped cream. is. Re- I like it because depending on what kind of fruit you give it, it turns into different Pokemon. So you get a variety <laughs> of the same thing. Um, and then I can't remember the name of my elephant, but I got it and it's cool and I love it. Oh, nice. That's, and this is on <laughs> Switch? Yes. Yeah, which yeah. again is just, it's, amazing stress relief it's really great when it's late and you're falling asleep you just you pop it in and you get to bike all over little countrysides that look like london it's wonderful that's yeah, heaven yeah. <laughs> i read recently about there was like a big i well and by big i'm like youtubers i watched discussed it at length uh but there was like <laughs> a big pokemon scandal where bear with me i guess logan performance Paul, enhancing drugs Oh boy. Oh Logan boy. Paul, he's not the villain of the story, shockingly. Well. Logan Paul has a Pokemon dealer, which is a job you can have. And this Pokemon dealer dealt, like, arranged this big Pokemon deal. And then these guys paid $200,000 for yeah. a set of Pokemon cards. And then it turned out the Pokemon cards were fake. And oh, now there's all these. It was 
a Pokemon fraud scandal, and I really loved watching it unfold because it was a bunch of <laughs> doofuses with too much money being like, well, the cards are about to get here. And they were like live streaming it. They're like the oh, most no. expensive Pokemon deal ever. And they opened the cards and they're like, well, these are clearly fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're like made of... No. Just like regular paper stock that you would get in Staples. <laughs> yeah, it was just a pile printer of printer paper. paper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just like to say that the game is $30 right now. It's on yes. sale. You don't have oh, to wow. pay $200,000 for anything. There are no in-app purchases to the best of my knowledge. Just go ahead and save your money. You know, invest that in something worthwhile. Give it to yeah. a child in need. Please don't spend that kind of money on Please. paper. It doesn't make sense. It right. simply doesn't. Don't do anything that Logan Paul has already done. That's, I thought that's been a rule of thumb for years. Generally, good idea. <laughs> a perfect guideline. I do wonder, like, for sports cards and Pokemon cards and, like, physical things like that, I do feel like we're reaching a point where, I mean, we can make any video, see, like, make people seem like they're saying things that they haven't said, like, right. with perfect precision. And, like, I... You know, sneakers, like the, one of the ways that people are getting, uh, quote, counterfeit sneakers is like the people who make those in other countries are just like, here, I'm going to make a couple more and mm-hmm. they won't go through Nike, but you will get the exact same thing. And those are like counterfeit, but it's like what I, I don't know. I feel like the philosophical question of like what counterfeit is is going to arise uh, more and more. Uh, yeah, especially with regard to Pokemon cards, that seems like a pretty easy one to to knock off. But maybe maybe I'm missing something. I, I, I understand the collectible. Missing. You're definitely not missing anything. The collectible aspect of it is what's keeping people going, and like it's only it's the belief that's like keeping people connected, right? Like, no, mine is real. Like, so right. it, it depends on how you value, you know. I guess the subject of the thing, because like mm. with with baseball cards, it was like, oh, that was like a moment in history. Like they printed it while this guy was in run, you know, and now that's where he retired. So there are no new baseball. So if you really like that player, then you have to have that card. That I I totally I somewhat understand that I don't quite understand like to your point like especially with the use of a Pokemon card is like in a game so as long as you have the correct information in front right. of you you can play the game so it's bizarre but you know I also know people spend like a ton of money on like rare Monopoly sets and I I don't know I think when you have too much money you're just looking for something to brag about. And right. you're like, I bought this like incredible rare thing, and now you have to value me and my collection as well. It's a weird cyclical thing. Like we were talking before mm-hmm. we started recording about the Dunkies market, the Dunkin' Donuts shop that they just opened that has oh, yeah. uh tandem bicycles, it has a Dunkin' Donuts bathrobe. Like I mean, that's so, a practical and it's purchase. Immediately sold out. Like everybody uh, just bought all of the Dunkin' Donuts bathrobes. Um, but w- that's more, like, I mean, I couldn't you <laughs> not, like, to, just do- not to jump to their defense <laughs> uh, Yeah, as I always will for Dunkin' yes. Donuts. <laughs> I feel like their 
marketing, it's going to sound like I'm being paid to say this. I'm not. Uh, I think their marketing has gotten so weird and savvy recently where they're like, okay, we're an old ass like donut brand that is mostly known for like really mean moms going to (laughs) their Like that is their consumer base. But then they're just kind of like, they're they're definitely trying to hit the teen market because they gave Charlie D'Amelio her own Dunkin' beverage. And- as a regular Duncan uh, customer, I'm a very mean mom. Uh, but like, there's now teenagers at Dunkin' Donuts all the time. It's like you can tell Charlie D'Amelio brought her fucking TikTok base to Dunkin' Donuts, and now they're releasing merch like it's sneaker drops. Like it's just they're yeah. trying. They're they're trying some stuff out. It seems to be working. Also, the the Charlie D'Amelio drink has so much dairy in it that I like. Was sh- shitting for days. It's, just it's for a- young people. <laughs> it's for it's for the youngs. It's for teenagers only. Yeah. It's not for adults. That's so interesting that Dunkin' Donuts. It, it seems almost random that Dunkin' Donuts is the brand that like got this culture. Like McDonald's tried really hard with their like Travis Scott meal and yeah, uh, Jay Black. Did that meal. work? I it, did. it did. No, it definitely did. did. They work? sold out in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. It like the children loved it. And I I live across the street from a McDonald's. There was mm-hmm. a line around the block for like probably a solid week to get into McDonald's to get the stupid meal, which is already <laughs> on the menu. It's what? Yes. Yeah, that's a, I'm so confused. Wait, that is worked? it for the box? It like, did. Is there a it special definitely packaging? worked. Like, how uh, would you sell out of? The meal because is there is there a meal like is there a box that comes with it? Okay, so the Travis thing came in two parts, right? So first there was online merch, right? So they had mm-hmm. like right. the jackets and stuff. So all of that stuff sold out. But then McDonald's had a shortage of like the burger. I think it was some of the condiments that go on his specific burger. They were like running out. They couldn't keep it in stock because so many people had come through to purchase this burger. I didn't get the meal, but I do think it came in its own like cactus jack style box but don't mm-hmm. keep that it had food in it gross right like if the, your house is just gonna smell like a cheeseburger yeah. for the my, rest of your life yeah this my is favorite. mint mint condition <laughs> travis scott meal guys you're like uh Ugh. untouched by human hands and it my smells favorite like product shit. they had was a cactus jack mcdonald's lunch tray so you know the brown trays that you have <laughs> mcdonald's yeah it's that was cactus yeah. jack you can buy it for like 15 bucks and i was like this is tempting, but no. <laughs> right. And also like, steal it for no bucks because those things are the easiest things to steal. <laughs> These uh, kinds of grifts are not going to work forever, but they're definitely working right now. Yeah. Like, we have nothing to look forward to. I think, yeah. honestly, that was like half of the sell. It was like something new? Yeah. I mean, I have to have it. It's just new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just interesting that we are, it's almost like we're going in two opposite or seemingly contradictory directions, whereas one like consumerism or like materialism is breaking down. Like you can replicate anything easily. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, we're like going super hard on like, okay, there are only five McDonald's uh, bathrobes <laughs> that we all need to get because it has the special tag in it. And it's, uh, it's almost like we're having a end of materialism like panic moment where we have to like really dig in our heels and be like this matters um, as somebody who just bought two suits from Beyonce yeah I was like listen <laughs> I where will I wear these suits I'm not going anywhere literally anywhere not to right. dinner not to a movie <laughs> but I have these suits yeah I mean, later I'll I'll come clean 
I bought the Dunkin' duvet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It'll be on my on my bed come Christmas. Cozy. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, what is something you think is overrated, Joel? Overrated. It's hard to say what is overrated right now because everything that I like, if I do go outside, I'm like, my God, the sky is blue today. Like, <laughs> I think I want to see the news, but that's really vital. And I don't want to be the kind of person that shits on journalists. You know what? I got it. The PlayStation 5 is overrated. Here's why. I can't get my Ooh. hands on one. And so I choose <laughs> to believe it's underrated so that I don't have FOMO. Right. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's too. Here's my review. Looks too big. Why is it right. so big? Definitely too large to fit on anybody's normal shelf. Uh, but it also is 4K and it's. It's going to have Cyberpunk 77 on it, which is a game I've been looking forward to since 2018. And we were supposed to have in April and then again in August, I think. And then they had a November launch date, but they pushed it back again to December. Mm-hmm. I The way I covet this machine, it's embarrassing. Um, so, yeah, overrated. I don't need it. Yeah. I, uh, Fuck yeah. it. Fuck it. <laughs> Definitely. Every time I see a new gaming console, I I don't know. I'm not a gamer, but I so I just flash forward to like thinking five to seven years in the future when it's just going to be on all of my friends' mantles, like howling at like <laughs> the way that PS4s are right now. Where right. you walk into your house, you're like, "Oh, do you have a PS4?" Because something's burning and I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. How are people dealing with the height? Are people just treating it like a piece of furniture that you just like have on the floor <laughs> next to your TV? Or I've seen it, images of people just shoving it on the shelf, which is funny. So now their shelf is sort of like right. tilted and lopsided and it's half hanging <laughs> off. Uh, some people have, you know, industrious people who don't let the pandemic get them down have built personalized shelves that like sit next to their floating TV. So it looks uh, nice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll Hate probably just people. put it on the floor. Yeah. It's right there. It's yeah. fine. It kind of looks like it. an air purifier. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like That's a nice exactly air purifier. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the biggest Wi-Fi extender in the history <laughs> or Wi-Fi router of all time. It's sleek. Joe. Yeah. So sleek. <laughs> Uh, for an obelisk. What is something you think is underrated? Oh Joel? my God. Getting gifts and wrapping gifts and thinking about gifts and choosing the right wrapping paper. I have submitted to the Christmas season. I've never, this is the first year in my entire adult life when I'm like, I can actually get gifts for people I love. Like real, not cheap. You know, we're not talking Starbucks gift cards for mm-hmm. the homies. Like real stuff I put thought into. But then also my my pod of people that I've been hanging out with during this time have decided to go like full Christmas. So we're doing like a seven course meal from the French Laundry. Uh, we're like, what? We're, yeah, we're going to like, we're going to cook it ourselves. Is your pod Gavin Newsom? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, we, uh, you know, they just really like to cook. They were the people that were oh. doing bread at the top. They, um, yeah. the things they've done during quarantine are they got like the wine thing. It's like, I don't know what you call it, but it's like, so you don't have to open your bottle of wine. It's like got a long needle that goes oh, into whoa. the cork so that you don't ever have to bottle like opener, yeah. airify like, it. Like it never reaches air. So you can like oh, pour a glass shit. and then you put it back in your fridge, but the wine stays corked it's still fresh it's a really thin long needle that goes inside yeah it's amazing we got (laughs) i thought you were describing a corkscrew (laughs) no 
Yeah, yeah, no, I know all about those, Joelle. Yeah. Uh, I do hear you say the word really slowly. You're like, corkscrew. What you're describing, Joelle, is a corkscrew. Uh, It's a long, narrow, screwy thing that uh, is used to open bottles of wine. Uh, I'm an idiot. Sorry. That's good. So, like, typically for Christmas, we do like you know a giant roast and blah, and they're usually big, like large events, like twenty plus people. Uh, but this year, we're sticking to the seven. We've been hanging out. We like know each other, um, and uh, yeah. So that we're gonna do all the all the different versions from the French Laundry and big Christmas tree, real Christmas tree. We're gonna cut down a tree, and so I got really pretty wow. wrapping paper. And I'm going to take photos. It's gifts. I have to focus on the positive. And so this is what I'm doing. It's just like that's really good gifts for my loves. Yeah. How are you cutting down? Where are you going to cut down the tree? Yeah. Oh, they're doing that. And I'm not going outside to touch things or anything like that. It's gross. Uh, When they bring it in and clean it up, then I will help make it pretty and decorate it. Right, right. Somewhere. I'll let you you know because it does seem like a fun activity if you're an outdoorsy woods person. (laughs) <laughs> or have children and you're like, here's an experience you won't forget. I'm trying to, this is my first Christmas in like a living with someone. And so we're like, we need to like get decorations and stuff. And I'm really, yes. I'm trying to figure out a way to set like safely, really like make it Christmas in our apartment. It's exciting. I don't know where how to do it though. Cause I'm afraid of Costco. Oh my gosh. Uh. Okay. No, don't. I, again, like I, I'm horrified of, COVID, like very, very scared because mm-hmm. I already had like breathing issues and all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, no. So yeah. I went to Paper Source. Paper Source Ooh. has hella wrapping paper, like really cute, like little thingies for your package. Like I got little wreaths that are just little bells and wreaths and you just stick them on the package and it's cute. But also what? they have like these little um, like string lights with little glass bottles with like little Santas or little lighthouses and there's snow and scenery. <laughs> they have all these all tiny, cute light up things and they're bright and they're fun. My favorite, they had an or- a Botox ornament that's just a Botox <laughs> needle. Uh, it's kitschy and fun. I think Paper Source is going to be a good place. Um, the Hallmark store, you can order online, Hallmark. Mm-hmm. If you if you want the um, granny slash mom vibe feel to come in, that should be your store. Sure, I always need a touch of that. Yeah, you, you want to feel like your grandma could stop by and say, hey, but also please don't come over to my house, granny. I have <laughs> right. bongs everywhere. You're not going to approve. <laughs> you guys have yes. a Christmas playlist that you like start <sighs> putting into rotation yeah. around the holiday? I live with my brothers, and they do not like Christmas. They're very much Grinches about it. Uh, wow. we, they don't want to even. You I try make to put those on, hearts grow two sizes. Listen, I try to put on Christmas TV shows, like you know, like the Christmas themed episodes, and they were like, "We don't, we don't want it." Uh, Christmas music has to go off immediately. So uh, stuff in my headphones. Oh, no. Dolly Parton's Christmas album is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Mariah Carey is the standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, any African choir is going to blow the house down. <laughs> I have many like African choirs worth of old school gospel music. That's pretty great. Um, and I think doesn't Ariana have a Ariana you know, has she, a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's a whole a album person. or a good song or what whole album. About? I think. Wow, I think. I think so. Hold on, let me look this up. I grew I feel up, like I already did do a Christmas. I grew up listening to this CD that my dad had. It's like a punk Christmas album called yes. the, the Edge of Christmas. 
Uh, and it's really hard to find now, but it was it's really good. And it has like uh, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush. Uh, I've got it up here. Uh, the Ramones, the waitresses. Like, it's just I don't know. It's like dad, uh, dad punk Christmas album. And that always dad makes me feel Christmas. at home. And then my mom was like, Kenny G. Like, welcome to Christmas. It's yeah. Kenny G. <laughs> That's, that is absolutely my experience too. <laughs> Full Kenny G. Christmas sounds like a soprano sax. I don't make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and like Michael Bolton Christmas songs that are like other people's Christmas songs or whatever, yeah. but just in Michael Bolton's voice. I want new Christmas music in my rotation this year though, because especially because I'm starting to celebrate uh, right now. <laughs> it's like I need to find, right. insert new stuff into the rotation. Dolly Parton's Holly Jolly Christmas uh, it's really coming in for me because I like to pretend she's saying have a Holly Dolly Christmas. And then I just imagine I'm at Dollyland, just really getting it in. We're singing songs. I just love Dolly Parton, guys. She's wow. the glamour. She's Watch perfect. 9 to 5. It's the perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Make you feel empowered and capable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk the dreaded news. And we're back. And uh, I was going to talk about like vaccine rollout plans, but should we just like review more Dunkin' Donuts shop merch? (laughs) (laughs) It's all sold out. It's Uh, all sold out. The the hoodies looked incredible, but I snoozed and I lost. Yeah, they do look pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Subtle. (laughs) Very subtle. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I love about the Duncan merge is that it's subtle. <laughs> it's subtle. Nobody knows, uh, you know. It's like, just set up a recurring donation instead. <laughs> so the vaccine rollout plans are starting to be revealed. Apparently phase one could start as early as November 30th. Phase two likely to be January or February. Phase three could be April. And this is how they've broken out the phases. So phase one, A, high-risk healthcare workers and first responders. Phase one, B, high-risk or uh, comorbid conditions, older adults in congregate crowded residences. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that means uh, like people in old folks' homes. Uh, Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was in business there for a second because I'm old and uh, <laughs> my house is crowded with a bunch of kid shit. Um, so th- those are the people who are going to get it this year and soon. So that's exciting. I'm pumped for them. Um, phase two, yeah. teachers, uh, critical risk workers like in essential industries, uh, moderate risk comorbid conditions, uh, mm-hmm. homeless shelters, group homes, jails, prisons, uh, other older adults. And then, and as I was reading this, I was also made aware of an article in the uh, Daily Beast that was just, it was about like a bunch of, there was a conspiracy spreading around a community in Utah because they noticed that the, like this hospital that was supposedly full of COVID patients, the parking lot was empty and they were like, aha, we know they're not, there's nobody in there. And didn't, what? 
Yeah, that was all the evidence they needed, and they kept trying to break <laughs> into this ICU to prove. Oh my gosh! It wasn't Jesus. full of COVID patients um, because the parking lots are empty. Um, uh-huh. So I'm just worried we're <laughs> got him. Got him. Got their asses. Same yeah. people who have to go to work, like, just bless you. Because the mm-hmm. amount of things you have to deal with are, like, from grocery store workers who have to deal with people literally yelling in their face without a mask because, like, can you please just help mm-hmm. keep our store a safe space as possible to, you know, the guys that were counting the votes who had to deal with actual death threats to this kind yeah. of stuff. It's bonkers. Like, I'm just trying to survive a pandemic. I can't even right. imagine. I can't even imagine having to do all this going above and beyond. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we might be just too dumb for this whole thing, maybe. Yeah. So let, let's, speaking of too dumb for this whole thing, <laughs> uh, the president is still claiming fraud on Twitter, uh, that he won Michigan. Um, I feel like a lot of the mainstream media has chosen to just like kind of dismiss and ignore and... Yeah. Like on the one hand, yeah, what were you going to say? I don't know. Yeah, it's like I'm kind of of two minds about that. Like I feel like it's, it is a better use of the media's time to focus on transition team stuff to be, but I mean, is the media going to be critical enough of a transition team? Of course they're not going to be. That's not their thing. But I don't know. It's like I I feel like ignoring him is the uh, instinctual, well, finally, great. That makes sense. Right. Uh, but then I don't know what the what the whatever potential backlash factor is for having done that, because in a way that just reinforces Trump's worldview. But I don't I don't care. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of counter, uh, you know, educating that needs to be done like that. Yeah. Every time he claims that it, there's voter fraud like that is doing incalculable damage to like the people who voted for him and their like faith in the country and the institutions. And that's not going away. And I feel like our answer so far has just been to like, kind of throw up our hands and be like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to I'm like. I, I don't have an answer to that, but it's like, I was reading a article about, you know, people heading into the election who are experts on peaceful, uh, resistance in like authoritarian coups and they were just like in America, like preparing American uh, people to resist if the Trump administration like tried to do essentially what it has done. And they, it's like all the bad things that they were predicting and worried about are happening, but right. we're just kind of like ignoring it and hoping to just, sort of power through or like yeah i don't know yeah it's really i don't know it's really hard to know like who to trust and whose word to kind of take on these topics because it's like i I don't know about you guys but i didn't know very much about coups before two months (laughs) ago i was not an expert in coups and like there it seems like there is still like a fair amount of people who are saying it's a possibility and then others that are saying like it's not going to happen we need to just like move forward um i don't know there was like a fair amount of i don't know if, if y'all talked about it on zeitgeist but there was like a fair amount of controversy with a, like a van jones talk that was published where he was like here's how a coup's going to happen and people who know more about coups were were kind of like 
No, it isn't. Uh, but it ends up, I don't know. Like it, it, but even so, it's it's hard to know whose word to kind of take there because I'm so uh, coup illiterate. Yeah, I mean, we we have never experienced one as uh, like. Is that like we can? Most of us can turn to our parents and be like, "What did you survive?" or like, "How would we do this?" or whatever. Sure. Um, I do feel like the most comforting thing is listening to people who have survived coups, right? Mm-hmm. Because to me. I don't know. I, I feel like as a as a normal person, I don't have very much control over what will happen. I can be enraged. I could march. I could donate some time somewhere. But it feels like a power very much above me and beyond me. And so I'm like, well, how if it, if the worst were to happen, how would I prepare? Like, what's the mindset I need to be in? And it seems like most people were like, oh, yeah, your daily life will not change. Uh, you'll be like, oh, there was like some fighting over there. There are some new restrictions on what I can do at work. But for the most part, you're still just trying to survive. Hopefully bread doesn't cost like five grand and you just keep it pushing until <laughs> until change happens. And it's like, firing words. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, you know, we were just going to try and make the best of, of it as a citizen. Look out for my neighbors. You know, make sure my parents are okay and keep going. I... Yeah, trying to worry or or figure out all of that is a lot. But I also think, to your point, Jamie, like, nobody truly knows what's going to happen. It seems mm-hmm. in the little research I've done that it would not be possible for this guy to do it, but that a lot of what he's doing sets up an opportunity for someone smarter and more prepared to do it in the future. And that's right. sort of what, it's not the next two months that scare me. It's the next, like, eight years. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, just weakening the institutions and like the pillars that our entire democracy rests on are being kind of just weakened to the point of it seems like it it won't take very much. And uh, the, this article, Erica Chenoweth is the person's name who's like the expert on peaceful resistance. There wasn't a lot of research on you know, doing the numbers of how often peaceful resistance works when there's like an authoritarian takeover. And they went in and did the numbers and found that it's like two times more effective when uh, the resistors are using peace than if they use violence when they're resisting Mm -hmm. an authoritarian takeover. And Erica Chenoweth, definitely worth paying attention to but it just it does seem like we just don't have the language and the institutions to deal with this like the mainstream media is certainly not equipped to deal with what like i feel like trump's no. entire you know strategy is built on combating the things the mainstream media does like how they talk about these things and the mainstream media's response at this point has been to just kind of throw up their hands and be like, well, we're not covering him. We're not talking to him anymore. Yeah. Um, which, again, like, I don't know if that's that might be the right thing to do. I just it just feels like then we have this thing metastasizing in the dark that we're not paying yeah. attention to. And that's scary, I think, from a long term perspective. Well, Joel, speaking to your point, I think that. Yeah, like it, it makes uh, it doesn't feel like a, a present thing for the next two months. But I think that, yeah, like what a, what a lot of us are going to have to do like with ourselves and then with our families or whatever our circle is, is like, n- you know, 
not to like be like a don't take your foot off the gas like we all know that but stay like actually educate ourselves so that you know this time eight years from now we do understand um what might happen and would understand how to actively uh resist it if something happened um because it makes total sense that the majority of the country would have no idea what to do um right now but it's you know it's something that we should educate ourselves and 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 definitely not completely ignore i feel like that's the other end of the of the mainstream media problem is that you know it it's great to not be reporting on trump 24/7 that is like a huge relief but then on on the, on the other end of that i i really don't like the tone of like and now we're back to normal and it's right. like, oh, that is such bullshit it's fucking <laughs> so frustrating where they're like the third obama administration has begun and you're just like that's not no one asked for that uh, like we need to like talk about shit and yeah so. There's definitely a brand of liberal that's just like, oh, thank God, everything's good again. Like, he's Ugh. gonna come in and so. And I think it's exacerbated by uh, the discovery of potentially two vaccines working at 95%. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, great, we're gonna shoot people up and we're gonna get back to work and the economy's gonna bounce back. And it's like such a sunny disposition, ignoring sort of everything that happened over the summer and like this yeah. whole like emotional upheaval we had and then and then to also ignore like there were literally people begging us to stop counting votes like that is horrifying that is the very base of our (laughs) democracy is like everyone gets a vote and they were like nope stop counting don't like it i think yeah we're definitely going to have to deal with so much more of these deeper issues but it's very american of us to be like well our, our big problems are solved and we're just gonna have to come to the middle on everything else Right, yeah. which is like proven time and time again in almost every administration in our lifetimes to be an ineffective solution that doesn't help, like that helps barely anyone. It mostly helps capitalists. Uh, and and so, in fact, harms our most disenfranchised typically. I mean, it's those it's the same administrations that gave us the three strike rule. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, well, come to the middle. You get three times and then we lock you away for life. Like, what the hell? What? I just, I feel I'm, horrified that though we're going to see a lot of those same types of policies coming mm-hmm. up again as a way of like we just we just want everyone to be at peace as opposed to let's actually resolve some of these issues right yeah i also they, we didn't talk about this in the vaccine section but i also kind of i i i worry about vaccine rollouts i i know that a lot of people do but i just worry about i mean in, in the phases being described, I feel like there are not frontline communities being prioritized. There's not like the phase four all others uh, <laughs> category kind of yeah. baffles me because wouldn't you? I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to prioritize frontline communities and communities where COVID is most prevalent and where people are most at risk. I don't I hope that phase four gets a little more fucking specific <laughs> and phase three as well, where they're just like. Um, all others, because I feel like when we say yeah. uh, general all others, that means that I'm picturing a blimp. They're just dropping the vaccines. Out <laughs> yeah, of the I'm like, are we just like, <laughs> I don't know, sending those creepy Postmates robots to people's doors, like what, right. with the vaccine? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just I don't I don't trust any American administration to do this well in a way that prioritizes communities most affected by COVID. And uh, yeah, one of the 
big stories that happened just to talk about specifics really quickly and just where we're at with the final days of the Trump administration. So Michigan's date to uh, certify their vote came up yesterday or two days ago, and they had two Republican like ca- official canvassers who were refusing to certify what was clearly an okay vote because they were being racist. It was an area of Detroit that had largely voted for Biden, and they were using these like things about matching signatures to just raise questions. And then people were rightly like, this is racist. You're being racist. You're going to go down in history as like having just basically disenfranchised a entire community of people for your own purposes. And they were like, ah, yeah, good point. And reversed course. (laughs) And then Trump was like, they've been abused into. Yeah, yeah. Trump and the Trump (sighs) administration are acting like that was violence, just pointing out that their grandchildren will know how racist they are, um, as opposed to just telling them the truth about the consequences of their action. Um, Yeah. yeah, I love the idea that calling something racist is is violent is the problem and not yes. the actual racist act. And the idea that like, oh, we didn't know, we didn't know it would be racist to suppress a vote. <laughs> what? No. And also, I could not hold out this long. Like, I I don't want to give you know Trump the impression that anything he does is impressive, but it's wild to me that you lost this bad and are still like no. Several more lawsuits. I think I follow a lawyer in Michigan. I think there were like one in 25. Like there's one court case was like, oh my God. yes, and 25 losses. For tra- and it's just I, I don't have the stamina, the energy, especially when we know for a fact that they have no money left. It's a little it's a little impressive to just be like, I will drag this whole society down with me. Hell hath yeah. no fury like me angry. It's impressive. Yeah. It's fucking unreal. I mean, yeah, and the way that the way that he's talking about Michigan too, it's like you, it, it's just so. I we've been saying this for years, but like it's just so fucking flagrant. Like he couldn't be more clear that he's like, I am <sighs> trying to suppress black votes. That's what I'm trying to do, and I'm doing it in all caps. Uh, it's just, ugh. and then I I self harmed this morning and went through some replies oh, in. No. Uh, under one of the the Michigan tweets, and like it's just it's just like Twitter shell like eggs doing bad math, and <laughs> they're they're like there there was this whole thread I followed that was like, uh, well more people because he was saying more people voted in Detroit than live in Detroit, which is a single Google away from knowing that's not true. And then when people replied with, that's not true, here is like the first thing that comes up when you search how many registered voters versus how many voted. They're like, well, the rest of those people are children. And so it was like, I don't know. It was these weird Twitter eggs suggesting that the population of Detroit is like 65% children. Mm -hmm. It was just really bizarre. I don't like, it's just, there's no logic to it. It makes my head hurt and it's just cruel and awful and I'm, I'm tired. I mean, so the the good news is that there is, you know, we are coming up on the time when uh, these votes are basically due to be certified. And at, at that point, 
Like Michigan was eleven twenty three, so they're doing it a little bit early. Pennsylvania is eleven twenty three. Wisconsin is the first of December. So like after these dates, that's like when it's due. Georgia is the twentieth, so that's in two days. Arizona is the thirtieth. Um, once those have been certified, they really don't have like. I, th- I think a lot of people think it's purely theoretical at this point, the idea that these are going to be reversed. But as we saw with those canvassers, like it's not purely theoretical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are all looming deadlines that once we get past those, if we get past those, the country will, I guess, be in better shape. But again, it just it won't change the fact that they are doing the the absolute most to, <laughs> to exhaust us to just tear down the fabric of um the good parts of the country um it really is the i'm finding it more and more uh exhausting dealing with the whole they accuse us of doing the thing that they're doing uh like the mm-hmm. Kaylee McEnany saying that telling people to wear masks around Thanksgiving holiday is Orwellian. And then them saying that it's like violent and racist to call someone racist Racist. for being racist. (laughs) It's just, it's so frustrating and exhausting. Maybe that's why I'm tired. It makes me wonder, like, how do you have these? Like, I, there are, to the very best of my knowledge, no Trump supporters in my family. So I haven't had to have like any of these challenging conversations of like, what are you doing? And look at what you're in. But I don't even know how, like I used to be like back in prop eight world. I was like, yo, make sure you talk to your family members about this. Like if you're queer, you know, you could explain it. Just talk to them about why these, but now I'm like, I don't even want to throw somebody in that fire because having seen some of these people try to like debate, online with their neighbors or family or whatever like i don't know how to have that conversation if you're absolutely disinterested in listening to anything factual like a cloth over your face is not like orwellian what it's yeah it's It's like the why are you hitting yourself defense but they're not even like using our hand to hit ourselves they're just (laughs) hitting us and then saying stop hitting me it's there. It's a real mind fuck. Uh, <laughs> it sounds exhausting. I'm like, we're tired. Ta- like, it sounds exhausting to have to rewire your brain in that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I don't. I. I. I don't know. I had a thought, but it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> the, I. I actually felt envy for the people in the book 1984 because i was like wait so orwellian let, let me just like look at mm. what she could Did possibly they have mean cool outfits in that book yeah I never read it but it's <laughs> it's much easier to combat in that book because they aren't doing the thing like big brother is not being like you're big brothering me <laughs> like it's, right, it's just right. like easier to deal Stop with being a big camera at me yeah all you have to do is just be like no look this is the thing they're doing but Jack, then that's the saddest description of our current timeline I that i've heard i'm just like god what if we were a wellian i thought this would be a lot easier to deal with it would be I mean, partially because that book was written. yeah it's just more straightforward the, the, um, i do i mean it does it's it's because it's like most uh, it's such it's such a daunting task that requires a level of empathy that I personally would not really demand of anybody. Uh, 
But the like de-radicalizing someone's mind after living in that mindset and just like doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on just like complete bullshit for this. I I I really hope that there is like some sort of de-radicalization movement that takes off that it's like, well, you know, leave me out of it. You can go over <laughs> but but I, I right. I'm curious it's like what is the long game? Like once Trump is out of office, what is the long game for like what 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 happens when no one is stoking that every single day and validating it and what yeah where does it go i don't, it I don't probably think it's not when trump is good. out of office i think no. it's when trump is no longer on the planet like to be honest like i just think that he is going to be uh a powerful like basically anti-universe president like president anti-universe anti like bizarro world uh president where he's like still universe that's a that's a really dystopian (laughs) phrase like an anti-matter version of the president where like everything the president does he will have a take that is the opposite of that and undermining it in some way like i I think he he is going to continue to be a problem for anybody in this country uh, Mm -hmm. for as long as uh, he still has a public platform. Uh, In terms of things he's doing in his official capacity, he just terminated the head of Terminated. Uh, He no longer is firing people. He's terminating them uh, because he's he's strong and powerful. Uh, The head of cybersecurity for not going along with his coup and for saying that the election actually happened the way it actually did. And... People are worried for Iran. Um, and, you know, we mentioned yesterday that people are worried Trump was going to attack Iran and uh, was firing people and promoting people based on, like, just how uh, loyal to him they were. Uh, but then the sort of pe- people were saying, oh, no, the military leaders in America aren't going to let him do that. But now people are pointing out that Saudi Arabia and Israel's leaders are like just as likely to attack and then, you know, draw America into that conflict because they see okay. this as like their last best opportunity to start a conflict with Iran uh, while Trump is still, you know, capable of marshalling uh, his very anti Iran. Right. Is there any, I mean, what, do we know what the likelihood of that moving forward is? Uh, there's indicators that, like, they are preparing for, uh, mm-hmm. like, I think Israeli forces attacked Iranian forces in Syria. But it's, yeah, we just don't, we don't really know. But mm-hmm. it's definitely something that uh, uh, international security experts are watching and concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awful. Completely fucked. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Does Dunkin' Donuts have like slippers? <laughs> no, I wish they did. They, they should have had slippers, right? Tan- like- the tandem bicycle is the most baffling and cursed item. Uh, and I've never seen a tandem bicycle that looked like that. I was shocked at the price, but then I, I asked you both, and, and you said it seems kind of like a normal price for a tandem bicycle. Although once I said that phrase out loud, I'm like, I why would I know what that number is? 
Right. I have no idea. Yeah. I also I mean, don't think I trust anyone because... enough to mount a bicycle like that. I would just get yeah. pregnant on the bicycle. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I would get get it for. You asked us because Joelle and I used to, before in pre-COVID times, used yeah. to ride around on a Isn't tandem bike. Isn't that how you bike. met? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. Our tandem bike team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Posted to a Facebook group, looking for a tandem bike partner. <laughs> that's really sad. <laughs> Nothing weird. Message me. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll be back. And we're back. Should we talk about Ben Shapiro? I guess we should mention the Ben Shapiro controversy in quotes. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just, I, I like that he's being like launched out of a cannon out of Glendale. That's a very like, uh, or at Ooh, one, I don't I know think that. Is, what, what's happening? He had a he had like a, a an office. I don't know if it was the office, but an office for whatever his dweeby little fuck company is uh, in Atwater Village uh, near where we all live. And uh, he he kind of it sounds like he uh, didn't feel welcomed, and mm. he's like Joe Rogan uh, moving to. Texas probably to avoid paying more taxes. But it also sounded like he really couldn't walk down the streets near his <laughs> his office without getting fucking like roasted at every turn. So, <laughs> shout out to Atwater Village for launching Ben Shapiro out of a cannon and sorry to Texas because I think that you're getting you're being burdened with Ben Shapiro. But I My I'm God. pretty sure that there is like kind of a move for like devious capitalists like uh like ben shapiro and to an extent people always fucking drag me every time i say this joe rogan who who moved to who moved to texas because the um i think it's it's either income or property taxes that are significantly less there's no income tax so that's why joe rogan went there even though he's like no you guys i just really love it here i love it here (laughs) all right sir uh, I'm I'm reading. I, I keep referring to this book. I'm reading about the Bush family, but like Texas, oh, no. straight up, uh, <laughs> Texas is a bad place. Uh, what one of the little details that I just learned is that the guy who owned the Texas Book Depository uh, that Oswald shot Kennedy from uh, actually had the window from that he shot him from removed and moved to his home as like a thing. To celebrate, like what? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Holy shit. That is horrific. And even if you were a Kennedy supporter, like it's what I was telling my brother. It's one of the most awful like things to view on tape. Like just the chaos and the horribleness of the act, and then I what? That yeah. is really That's disturbing. Fucked. That's like holy shit. Yeah. Yay, and, Texas. And, all all of these people are in some way tied back to George Bush, George H. W. Bush. So Lacey Mosley, the only good person to ever come out of Texas. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Ben Shapiro got mad that uh, Harry Styles was wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue, uh, and yeah. claimed that masculinity was under attack. Uh, he Do is. Do you think Ben our... Shapiro knows how boring he is? Is he aware that? Like, it's like 
uh, it's either he's not aware at all or he's so aware and he can't stop thinking about it. It is a piece of clothing. And if your masculinity is threatened by a dress, it is truly fragile. Like the idea that seeing another dude in a, a quote unquote female garment is now all men can't be. What does that even mean? Like it is. You could have a whole array of genders and just pick and be really comfortable in your own subset and let everyone else just live their lives, Ben Shapiro. And yet here you are upset at a fashion cover, which I don't even know if Harry Styles likes wearing dresses or if his PR person was like, listen, people are going to love this. And he was like, cool, whatever. Uh, Like, it's, it's hardly a statement at all from Harry. And so for you to get riled up over it, you just look damn foolish, sir. Prince yeah. did it in the 80s. Rock bands were doing it in the 70s. This is old. It's so... I'm pretty sure Harry Styles has a, a history of, of dressing kind of... Uh, what am I trying to say? Androgynously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he uh, has done this for a while. And I'm like, first of all, why are we still... like? I feel like he's been doing this for years. Leave him alone. And on top... I mean, it's just like Ben Shapiro's just so fucking pathetic where... He's like just coming off like, you know, just coming off complaining about the wetness of various pussies for like yeah. three consecutive months. The medical guess, condition of. Yeah. <laughs> that is still maybe of the few. I would call the cops if if it was wet. <laughs> I would call the cops. I mean, that's. That's a, I will say dangerous. Like, that clip is iconic in all the wrong ways. Yes. But like <laughs> the fact that he went to the mat on. The wetness of pussies and demonstrating that he has no idea how they work in the process. Just chef's kiss. Really incredible stuff. Um, I honestly did. I couldn't even bring myself to watch whatever the fuck he said about Harry Styles. The good news is that Harry Styles for sure doesn't give a shit. Oh, he got Uh, money in the bank. All of, yeah, all of Harry Styles' fans, like he has a very like young fan base and they don't give a shit what Ben Shapiro says. So it's like, what are you even, you're just saying things. I kind of wish they did. I kind of wish they like did to Ben Shapiro what like K-pop fans have been doing to like right wing and authoritarian like trolls. Uh, But I, yeah, I think they just like don't give enough of a shit, which is with well within their right to not give enough of a shit. But like, yeah, I don't know. He has a podcast with a it's just like it's so Harry Styles is dressing ambiguously men have been doing this for centuries it's so like the even the kind of masculinity that Ben Shapiro is referencing is like historically pretty new and like just so rigid and fucking boring and shut up I don't know it's from 80s movies but he also doesn't like fall into that category of masculinity. Like if we're going to look at the falsified, like pumped up version of masculinity, mm-hmm. I don't see Ben Shapiro anywhere in the category. Right. 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 He's not in the yeah, circle. You don't even, you're not there, buddy. Um, yeah. Thanks. Fuck Ben there. Shapiro. I don't know. I hate yeah. him. Um, let's talk about ambient TV. There's a yes. There's a piece that I really enjoyed in the New Yorker. Uh, they've written you up before, Jamie. You might have heard of them, the New Yorker. Um, <laughs> they uh, they I were writing it. about Emily in Paris and <laughs> kind of how <laughs> the, their description of Emily in Paris was very dystopian. But they <laughs> overall were saying that it reminds them of like the rise of ambient music, like the Brian Eno thing where 
he made music that uh, he considered as ignorable as it is interesting. Um, and like that these TV shows are basically designed to be background music, like nothing. The plot is incredibly thin on purpose, like so that you can miss half of it and still just kind of have a sense of what's going on. I've always used sports this way, like as a thing that you can just have on in the background and not really pay any attention to. Um, and evidence of that is like, I can have sports on and my kids don't give a shit about it because it like won't suck them into a TV coma. Uh, like literally everything else is because it's bad television. Um, but they're making the point that this whole movement, like they, they were talking about other Netflix reality shows that um like the taco chronicles dream home makeover they really go in on uh i haven't seen that but it's apparently very bland i yeah i don't joelle did you watch any of emily in paris i got i binge watched emily in paris let me talk about it okay I love uh, am- we call it ambient television. My crew calls it depression TV, which is like <laughs> I can't afford to get emotionally invested in anything right now. Like the world yeah. is already too much, right? But I need something on the TV because then I- otherwise I'm just alone with my thoughts, and I don't want that either. That's not a good recipe for me to get through this evening. So Emily in Paris, no, definitely not a great show. I don't know what's happening with any of the fashion in there. It's a hot mess. Mm. <laughs> it looks I don't like care. 2006. So you're like, I, where? what year is this? Who did this and why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care about any of the characters. I was surprised anyone could like develop a heated emotional reaction to it. There was a lot of discourse. And they're like, Emily's so rude for going to Paris and shoving her American ways in their face. I'm like, that's literally the plot of the show. So if you don't <laughs> like that, you should have tuned out after episode three. But... It it was perfect for me because I was just like, okay, it's just there. And I can be on my phone scrolling Twitter, which is what I really want to be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's not silent. And it's great. I really feel like we perfected this TV in the 90s. Friends, peak. Friends is peak depression TV. It's peak ambient television. Nobody changes. Nobody grows. Nothing changes about the status of anyone's relationship, whether they're together or not. It doesn't matter. It's just a bland, blank slate. And I think that there's really, truly value in this kind of television. What bothers me is when we try to either escalate it or de-escalate when we try to escalate it into something more than it is, which is really what I think what happened with Emily in Paris. And then people were bored and were like, I can rag on this show. Wonderful. Uh, but it's a vital aspect to my life. I really enjoy, um, I think, Great British Bake Off maybe has yeah. a little more emotional stakes in it for some people. But mostly it's just nice people baking. Awesome. They're really sorry when they have to let someone go. Excellent. Anything that's not going to bring me up too high or down too low, that's exactly what we're looking for. It's literally, yeah, I, I feel like depression TV, it was nice of them to call it ambient TV. <laughs> Truly. But uh, <laughs> but it's, it is like, it, it feels like, I mean, even like great depression media where you're like, this is about nothing. And Big everyone is candy mountain. <laughs> right. it's pl- it's pleasant you don't feel like you're gonna turn around and something horrible is gonna be happening like if you were watching for example the news like it's just it's just my i really hope that i had like a very abrupt fantasy when i saw this piece about ambient tv and it's that the creator of emily in paris releases a like scathing response being like how dare you say Emily in Paris was about nothing? In many ways, it was about everything. And like, <laughs> they just 
because I had no idea it was a really bad TV show. (laughs) This is how they found out that it was only number two because everyone was so sad. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is how I feel about like Netflix has really perfected the algorithm, right, of making Mm -hmm. a show that you don't necessarily have to be invested in. But it's like. I love the way they've like drawn like their new show Jingle Jangle. It's like if you were sort of into high school musical, but you want some black representation in your Christmas shows and you know, you like a little bit of comedy, but you're not gonna laugh too hard because that's not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's so straight down the middle. You can watch it with your conservative family and no one's gonna fight. Listen, right. it's genius. It's necessary. And then, you know, every once in a while you get a Queen's Gambit and you're like, cool. Great, something I can actually sink my teeth into when I'm in the mood for it. But I, yeah, we need like 700 hours of ambient television to get through whatever the next like eight months is going to be before we can reemerge into society. I enjoyed, yeah. yeah, Julian the Phantoms was fun. That was like, I feel like a cute, underrated show that was like very high school musical y, but up, like it's, it's just cute, cute yeah. shit. I like c- cute shit that isn't going <laughs> to remind me of my mortality exactly uh, yeah that's, that's what's on the menu yeah the point that they like their description of ambient tv is kind of that it it basically crowds out the noise in your mind and just like makes everything feel like like go down smooth basically it like smooths out like where whereas when we first had like streaming tv and you could like choose a show to watch and it would be like a show that like was engrossing and that was what we valued. Now it's more just like here is a time portal to uh, an hour from now in the future. (laughs) You just put on your like open up Netflix and put this show on and you'll be in the future, which is kind of a dark way to think about human existence (laughs) at at this point. I also have found comfort in like the all these I feel like I talk about them all the time now, but like these YouTube channels that are like by funny people who are based they're talking about nothing. They're talking about like Pokemon card scandals for yeah. forty five minutes and you're just like, Oh, this is just engrossing enough. Right. I don't really need to listen. But like good good for them for <laughs> for caring. Like, I don't know. It's just it's nice. It it feels not horrible. That's what yeah. I mean when I say nice. Yeah, they they highlight uh, TikTok as the ultimate in ambient TV uh, because it just is a stream of hmm. kind of passive, you know, un- unremarkable videos that just go down easy. It absolutely depends on what videos you're enjoying on TikTok. <laughs> right. I was if like, that could go a lot of ways. If your stream is just those like five dance move dance things and sure sure to mm-hmm. ambient and endless right. but there some people are being creative and some people are being very weird and some people are being you know weirdly political uh yeah i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say go to tiktok looking for your ambient <laughs> television fix um but i do think that it's not a streaming issue either i wouldn't blame this on like oh this is what streaming has come down to now i, I think it's absolutely just a sign of the times Mm-hmm. And the fact that people cannot engage. Like, I started watching Halt and Catch Fire, which is stunning. It's such good television. I got through season one, and then I'm like, oh, man, they are really dealing with some real-life issues here. I'm about to put yeah. this on the back burner and yeah. turn around <laughs> to it later. Like They're like, oh, financial crisis coming up. I was like, no, no, back out of it. Right. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I think if we were watching on network and to be fair, let's look at what networks are coming out with right now in the middle of the pandemic. We've got two versions of the mass singer, one that's just lip syncers where they're trying to see if you're the actual person singing or not. Like this, <laughs> this is the content we need to get through. And I really think TV is doing a good job for us, even if it's not uh, intellectually stimulating. Uh, there's too much to do. We don't need to be any further intellectually stimulated at this point. Did we yeah, talk parent. about, did we ever talk about uh, Mickey Rourke on The Masked Singer? On <laughs> we have a big Masked oh. Singer blind spot uh, there, on this show. Yeah. I am here to say, I, I stop, I, I'm behind on Masked Singer. I'm not going to say I stopped watching this season, but I had to stop watching after I got to the Mickey Rourke episode because it was so good that I'm like, nothing is going to top this for me for months. <laughs> So what happened was this. <laughs> it's still so funny. Okay, so it's like the first round of Mass Singer, which takes like four weeks. But uh, they bring out a celebrity who's dressed like a big purple gremlin. And he sings, oh, what did he sing? Whatever he sang, he didn't really know the words. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't good. And the whole panel couldn't guess who it was. Uh, Nick Cannon gets up on stage to have people guess, and then, and then whoever's inside the gremlin is like, "No more, no more." I'm like, he quits. The masked singer, after his first performance, he knows he's gonna lose. He rips off the gremlin's head. It seems like it wasn't. I mean, it might have been pre-planned, but Nick can't. If so, best acting performance of Nick Cannon's life because he was like, "Wait, you can't, you can't take, you can't quit." He unmasked himself. It was Mickey Rourke. Everyone lost their shit, and he was like, "Yeah, they asked me to be on, and I watched two or three episodes, and I said, why not? But this costume is really heavy, and I want to go home." And Mickey he just Rourke left. Is all of that. Yes, I did not so know good. how it went down. I just saw the reveal on Twitter the same night, right? So I just yes. see Mickey Rourke's tiny head. His head's not really <laughs> tiny, but in a giant suit, it looks small. And he's covered in like purple fuzz, and he's like a little sweaty. And I'm like, how did they get Mickey Rourke to come on this show? And that to me was the funny part. But knowing that he was just like, oh no, I have to bow out today is he, so much sweeter. It's it's everything I think everybody wishes they could do. It's just like, you know what? No. I'm taking this human costume off. I have to go home now. I had no idea it was his first performance. That's <laughs> was, so amazing. It was his first performance and he unmasked himself. It was I'm sh I I mean there was a lot of shit going on. It was peak election stuff going on. So I feel like it really slipped under the radar, but it, it, it there's clips of it online. It was like truly the best television I've seen in a really long time. Listen, at the iHeart Studio we have Snooky's text or infamous yes. text from the season on the wall on a giant flag. And now I really feel like we need to have Mickey Rourke with his head off, you know, yeah. just hang up right there. It's it's iconic level television. <laughs> so that is amazing. It. it is that great of television. He's because when you just hear the voice escape, like right before he rips the gremlin head off, he goes, "No more, no more." Make your work as all of us. It's so oh, it's it's the greatest clip you'll you'll ever watch. It's like pure serotonin. Apparently, Netflix is trying is going to try to be like a network. They're going to do like a streaming, like a linear version of Netflix. So uh, 
That's interesting to me. Wait, like Wait. It, like you just turn on Netflix and there's something on that oh, everybody okay. is watching. So this is something I've somewhat been asking for, and I think it absolutely feeds into the ambient depression TV conversation of, like, I don't want to have to make a choice. I came here to put Mm -hmm. something on the TV and walk away. And if you're like me, there's you have, like, five shows in rotation that you're like, like, for me, it's like King of the Hill. Like, I guess I could watch more of that anytime. (laughs) I will absolutely do some more Bob's Burgers. Girlfriends is on somewhere. The game. Crazy drama. So I feel like, but I, I still think, I don't understand why no streaming service is listening to the internet because the internet has been begging for playlist style yeah, streams forever. We're like, decision. what yeah. if I just put all five of my shows in there and you just shook it up and we're like, here's episode five from season six. And I just watched that. Like that is honestly the dream. I don't trust Netflix. Netflix is going to do what any smart business person would do, which is like, here's our new show. We hope you get hooked to it. Right. I don't want right. to watch your new show. I don't watch something I watch 8,000 times. So I don't have the anxiety of having to figure out what's going to happen next. Exactly. I just want to know. <laughs> yeah. They will totally fuck it up though. They will. Uh, like, you're just like, I did not want to watch the holiday and you know that <laughs> you knew that. Netflix. And now I'm 45 minutes into it because I couldn't find the remote and I'm hooked. <laughs> God damn it. Just a PSA to everyone. You don't need to watch the holiday. I took that L for us all. It's not worth it. I'm thinking about watching Jingle Jingle and just doing like a live tweet of it because (laughs) the fact that it's named, it's not named after the drug that's on the Archie series, Riverdale on the CW, but it does share the same name. Jingle Jingle. And yeah, in Riverdale, Jingle Jingle is like their hard drug. It's like the heroine of Riverdale. That's the worst name for a hard drug. It's terrible, but it's funny. Listen, they box a bear in prison, Jack. Someone brought a bear into a prison, (laughs) put it in a boxing ring, and then had one of the stars fight it. Like the show is unhinged, but in the best possible way. I just, I'm curious, like, if there is any correlation (laughs) between the drug Jingle Jingle on Riverdale and Jingle Jangle, the comedic hip-hop musical Christmas special on Netflix. I feel mm-hmm. like there's got to be some good meaty discourse in there somewhere. I was Absolutely. in on Jingle Jangle the second I learned Forrest Whitaker's character was named Geronicus Jangle. I was Geronicus? like, okay, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the trailer Geronicus alone is enough. The trailer is like, uh, I have to... Uh, Keegan-Michael Key plays the villain. And like, mm-hmm. what in what world? sounds incredible. Is it a series <laughs> or a single... It's a movie. It's a movie. movie. Okay, I'm in. Uh, (laughs) I'm already watching it right now. Um, (laughs) uh, Joelle, it's been a pleasure, as always, having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah, you can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. It's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. All right. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Bayman, which is B-E-Y-M-A-N. It's either two eyes or two exclamation points. Who knows? Listen, she tweeted four photos of Megan the Stallion from when she was in college. Megan dressed every day like she was a lawyer, full suit, set of nails, gold watch, hair, together. She's in college. I was like, Whoa. if Megan the Stallion isn't the absolute inspiration for just get your stuff together in the hard times, woman lost her mother and her grandmother in the same year that she goes double platinum. I am obsessed with her and her career and her moves and the way that she just constantly surprises everybody and seeing her in her early forms, seeing how together it was. I was like, this is, this is where we need to be. Hell yeah. 
I just pulled up the pics. I'm like, yeah, she, holy shit. That was, so that was cool. just her going to class. I was in sweats. She She's was so together. Cool. She's the best. Fuck. Uh, Jamie, what, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Jamie Loftus Help, Instagram, Jamie Christ Superstar. I have a new podcast coming out starting on Monday called Lolita Podcast. Yes. Whoo, it's out into it. It's depressing. It's about uh the kind of like the the journey of all the adaptations of Lolita that have been done over the years. So you can subscribe to that. And today uh or tonight tonight when this is airing, uh if you're interested in learning more about um, homelessness during the pandemic. I'm going to be hosting, uh, along with the SELA Neighborhood Homeless Coalition, there's going to be a webinar tonight where I'm going to be talking with uh, Theo Henderson, who is an unhoused advocate, as well as Genevieve Lang and Matt Tinoco. And even if you don't live in L.A., uh, it's an awesome panel and group of people, and you can learn more about exactly how poorly the unhoused have been treated throughout this uh, pandemic and what you can do to um, take action to first uh, help in a direct action way and also the most effective ways to um, bully your representatives into actually fucking doing something about it. So that's also, I'll, I'll keep posting that to Twitter. Awesome. A tweet I like is from my friend George Severus at George Severus. Um, I wonder if this will make sense when I read it out loud. Uh, okay. Pfizer. It's just me against the music. Moderna and me. Does that make sense? <laughs> if you I'm love Britney, it does. And I do. So thank you. It's niche. It's good. A tweet I've been enjoying. Srikar tweeted, my calculator app just released a new feature. And it's like a circle of his avatar at the top of like the calculator on the ca- calculator app on his phone, like uh, the Twitter. I don't know. But speaking of things that don't work as a description, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically that all apps are doing the stories thing. And Mike Leffingwell tweeted, whoa, this whole season of The Crown is just Queen Elizabeth II being pissed about her portrayal in Naked Gun. Um, <laughs> my second the crown uh related tweet that i've called to people's attention and i don't watch that show but those, i was just say jack are you watching season four <laughs> i'm not but uh i like i like the idea of uh that and then somebody asked who plays jeffrey epstein in the crown uh, <laughs> <recent>. <laughs> um <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Today, we are going to ride out on uh, Jamie's recommendation, which is Mickey Rourke's performance on The Masked Singer. Um, it slaps. It's it's really good, and we will we will listen to 15 seconds of that as we ride out. The Daily Zeitgeist, the production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's gonna do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to y'all then. Bye. 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 Bye.
I won't cry. 